0: Hello and welcome to Switch it the podcast that wishes it was sponsored by Mr White Detergent. England suffered a bangla wash in Bangladesh to conclude a globe-trotting winter for the men's team, during which they won a T20 World Cup, a Test Series in Pakistan, and more frequent fire points than they know what to do with. After six months of touring commitments, Joss Butler's T20 team finished like gap year students low on funds. It was a mere perfect storm, as conflicting priorities, dwindling focus, and tricky conditions saw England spin to their first ever series defeat against Bangladesh in any format. Hopefully someone had safely stowed their return tickets in a bum bag. To discuss the world champion's humbling and a bit more besides, I'm joined by a couple of savvy travellers in ESPN Quick Info UK editor Andrew Miller and assistant editor Matt Roller. Uh, good to see chaps. Miller, you're still known in some quarters as Uncle Bangladesh. Um, so there must have been a silver lining to England's humbling
1: yeah, well, father of Bangladesh, uh, Bangladesh cricket as it happens, but um, yes, yeah, so I don't think I've paid the maintenance for a few years now, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was it was glorious from that perspective, absolutely, you know, you can't, so you cannot dispute that uh, Bangladesh won that series on merit, we can go into the details of whether England were, were an off-balance team or not, and clearly they were, uh, but you know the focus and the form they showed the 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 star players having proved their their worthiness in the BPL and taking that form straight into the 20 over format and producing you know one of their best t20 performances ever because you know as Mohamed Izam has written quite extensively uh, they've not really given that format a lot of uh, a lot of credence over the years they they've been more more interested in odis and uh, i think finally they've realized that uh, you know moving on from perhaps the golden generation and not relying always on Tamim, mushfika and 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 shakib to be the main men is actually probably the way to go and you know trusting guys like shanto coming through and uh, uh mehedi obviously came in and, and played a blinder in that second game um you know the realization that there is a way to to propagate the game by by trusting the kids it's kind of what other teams have done previously and uh, all the rest of it so you know it was it was wonderful to to watch from that perspective um from England's perspective, though, it's it is it's ever so slightly frustrating. You know, there's there's only so only so much that you can criticise England for for cutting their cloth accordingly. You know, it's almost exactly the same as what happened in in um, Australia straight after winning the T Twenty World Cup. They played a, an ODI series and barely turned up. Lost three 0 They've lost this three 0 And you know, to to the to the just the randomer who just tunes into cricket. You know, passing interest in cricket. It must be so confusing. Um, my mother, for instance, good example, someone who who pays vague attention but really doesn't care deeply. She has no idea whether England are any good at anything anymore. She's like, oh, England are really good at cricket? And I was like, no, no, England are really rubbish at cricket. It's like oh, they're good again. No, oh, they're rubbish. It's like what are they? You know, if if you if you are completely beholden to the whims and the wherefores of the of the future tours program and the, and the recognition that the game is fragmenting and all the gubbins that goes into the politics of the cricket you can understand why england are doing what they're doing but if you don't understand any of that you just think they're taking the piss frankly you know that one day they're turning up and playing their best possible team next day they barely barely bother to get out of bed and at some some stage there does i think need to be a reckoning with this it's like what what do england actually want out of the world game do they care enough to turn up and produce a team that can win in all conditions, or do they just need to bite the bullet and say, "You know what, we are complicit in in reducing the worth of bilateral series here because we just don't turn up to them anymore." You know, with the, Joss Butler has put on record already in this in this winter that you know, frankly, we're going to learn far more from franchise tournaments than we can ever possibly learn from from bilateral series. Which begs the question, why are they bothering to turn up? Why, why why, why, even go through the charade of pretending that bilateral series matter anymore? So these are the existential questions that, that actually, I think, England are hastening the demise of bilateral cricket by by treating it with quite such open disdain. Um, equally, you know, we, you can mitigate that by saying that the, the game is in such a state of flux, they really do deserve to be judged by the big events, you know, when they turn up to the World Cup and win it, when they defend the World Cup in 2023 and win it, you know, um, you you can judge in hindsight and say, yeah, they've done the right thing. But uh, until that point, um, you know, you do wonder, are they a little bit complicit in in this, in this the downturn of interest in, in international cricket?
0: Um, I think as, as uh, to... Um bastardized Gideon Hay, uh, does cricket uh, um fill TV schedules in order to exist, or does it exist to fill TV schedules? Um we will we'll get into that. We feel like we've been having this conversation about um the sort of uh slow or perhaps quite quite rapid uh, death of bilateral cricket over the last few um weeks and months. Matt, um you you wrote uh, after that um that conclusion in DACA that it's been uh, it's been pretty much six months since um, England touched down in in Karachi. They played the, the first of seventy twenties there. You were there at the uh, the National Stadium back on September twentieth. Uh, um, I mean, it's been quite a ride, just to <laughs> to put no fine point on it.
2: Yeah, um, it's been a, a seriously long winter, um, and I think this is. Uh, to be honest, I felt that the main. Emotion after um, that final T20 from a sort of English point of view is a a collective sigh of relief um, because this is finally the end three years on um, of the COVID schedule crunch or near enough. Um, Obviously, I think in the original Future Tours programme, we were deep into a 50 over World Cup right now. which has obviously been pushed back to October, November this year. But um, in terms of England's bilateral touring commitments, yeah, this is this is pretty much the end of everything getting shoved back. Um, if you think about sort of the, the tours that they've been on, even in this spring, um, the South African ODIs were uh, the result of pulling out when there was the COVID scare um, in that series at the end of 2020. The New Zealand tests were the result of uh, a sort of reciprocal arrangement when uh, New Zealand came over and offered the ECB a test team that would get them some much-needed ticket money at the start of 2021. And this series against Bangladesh was uh, elbowed out of the way uh, unceremoniously by the second half of the IPL about 18 months ago. So when you consider all of those things, um, it feels like that what should now happen is England's schedule should return to something approaching... Uh, normality but that said um, they don't play a game for three months I think now until that first test against Ireland and then they have a very very strange schedule this summer which which has um, what six test matches in seven weeks or something like that through June and July with Ireland and then Australia then a month gap uh, and then straight into a huge number of white ball games heading into a a 50 over World Cup so when we say normal it's all relative and um, you know, looking through the future tours program until twenty twenty seven, you can see that there are still plenty of windows where weird stuff is going to happen. Where you have overlapping teams, where you have one one of the two sort of split format head coaches effectively taking a you know three month paid holiday between fixtures, while the other one is absolutely rammed with touring commitments left, right, and centre. So um, yeah, it, it, it's it's not exactly going to become uh, back to the good old days of going on a five month tour to Australia and playing. 18 first class games on the tour, but um, it, it, I think that the the main point of that end of that Bangladesh series was it, it looked like the players wanted to get out of there, their heads were probably on the plane already. I think you particularly seen, seemed like that with that, that performance in the field in the third T20, where Duckett and Rayon Armour both dropped pretty straightforward catches, um, and there was sort of whole uh. Array of misfields as well, um, sort of summed up by Joffrey Archer's emotions as um yet another ball went through. I think he ended up with probably the best ever 0 for 30 something I've seen in a T twenty game. Um but yeah, it it was a pretty strange uh, tour really because I think the ODIs from England's perspective, the first two in particular, I think they, they felt went really, really well and I think was they you know, they sort of heralded that as a great achievement. Um, And then about two weeks later, we're suggesting that the results of any bilateral series were sort of fairly irrelevant, and then saying, "Oh, hang on, remember we did win the ODIs, and that was pretty cool." So it's been a strange sort of um, a strange couple of weeks, and it's been uh, sort of yeah, an interesting one in that the it's the whole thing from England's point of view has been about the bigger picture. It's all been about um, what right now is going to do for us in six or seven months' time. It's not been about. will we win this game a lot of the time and um that has has obviously you know has consequences and has led to um weird stuff happening like a, a load of all-rounders batting two or three spots higher than they did in the world cup and chris woke's playing three games of a t20 series and bowling four overs <laughs> and and i mean it's
0: slightly to digress but the um uh, the, the success of the test team has been um, about focusing on winning each game and forgetting about those those long term priorities, which uh, seem to confuse them so much over um, over the sort of preceding 18 months, two years under Chris Silverwood, where they were forever planning for an Ashes or something down the line um, and, and getting hammered in, in the here and now. Uh, whereas the uh, the white ball team seems to have sort of gone. Actually, we do need to just, uh, you know, go big picture and look at these because there's a World Cup every 12 months now. So, um, you know, solve the bilateral results. Um, but yeah, well, let's uh, let's try and dig into the T20s a little bit for what they were worth. Um, as as kind of uh, Matt's touched on there, they were they were kind of viewed through the, the prism of the 50th World Cup um, later this year. They won those. They won the ODIs, um, but then were sort of barely competitive in the T20s. Um, Miller, we've seen uh, this happen to a few teams in uh, Bangladesh, um, notably Australia. I think before they won the the T20 World Cup two years ago, uh, were, were beaten quite heavily uh, out there. And and I mean, even in ODIs, Bangladesh have been pretty strong um, at home. This was kind of the first outing for the world champions um, since uh, since winning the most recent T Twenty World Cup, which uh, which was in November, uh, uh, lest we forget. Um, but I mean, I, I'm this series is probably going to be chalked up as one you know never to be mentioned again um, <laughs> outside of Bangladesh, perhaps um, beyond the the, the 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 wider concerns about the the, uh, the schedule and so on. Um, did did England learn much? That they didn't already know. Were there anything? Was, was there anything that you think they will take to a, a World Cup in in India later this year? A <laughs> 50-year World Cup that is.
1: Oh, well, they'll take Joffrey Archer. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's no question that that he was that he was the standout performer. Frankly, just 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 producing the sort of spells that um, really really reassuring. Apart from everything else, just just a real sense that. All of his mechanics are in working order. You know, he, he claimed that he wasn't going to crank it up to 95 miles an hour, but then in that final game with the with it all on the line, he he bowled one sizzling bouncer. I can't remember who was facing it, but it was it was knock your head off type type leaping from a from a not quite short length and just jeepers, where did that come from? It was it was proper wheels and all of the, all of the subtleties and the variations that he's always had um, seem to be in working order. So that is frankly the biggest takeaway. Um, but just to just to digress a touch and go back to Matt's point. I mean, yeah, Matt makes a very good point that yeah, it was it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were we were lauding the 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 ODI win. But again, that that in itself is is just mad. This, the, just the speed with which England can just flip the switch and and say you know what this matters but this doesn't, but this matters and this doesn't. You know, uh, ODIs only in in whenever it was December was it December or was it November? I can't even remember when they played that dismal series they didn 't matter they didn't matter for three years and they they mattered so little straight after that t twenty World Cup win that England just did not turn up against Australia and got mashed and now suddenly in as you mentioned there their very first outing as t twenty world champions oh t twenties don't matter we 're not going to turn up for these ones it 's like you know they they just flip a switch and it, and you know Covid is a major factor in this there's so much so much backlog and so much overwork and so much nonsense that goes into the schedule that uh, you can, we can, we as people who spend our lives watching cricket, being immersed in cricket and being immersed in in the bigger picture issues that uh, that do crop up, we can accept that this is this is actually not a terrible way to go about it. But to the to the outsider looking on, it just looks absolutely cack handed. What what are they coming or going? You know, on balance. I think they're coming. I think they're going to be fine. Come the World Cup, I think they'll actually be fine. Come the fifty, the twenty of a World Cup, which is actually, you know, is only fourteen months away now. It's, you know, it 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 is coming thick and fast from every direction, and not to mention the bloody ashes, which is going to going to queer the pitch even further in the summer. You know, the 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 the, the three way collision course, four way if you include the franchise explosion, is is such that you know the the, the pinch points are everywhere you look. Um, but you know, the, England will take plenty that they want to take out of the series. They'll take the fact they blooded rehan Ahmed. He may not have had the the greatest of times. First wicket was a long hop, and he fielded like a clown in the final game. But you know, he, the fact is, he got out there. He's completed his hat trick of caps. You know, in terms of long term planning, giving him that opportunity to be blooded in amongst a, a, a team of you know genuine world beaters, albeit some of them weren't there is immense for his future development uh, you know let's let's see where where he is in well certainly 2024 leading into that t20 world cup but beyond that 2027 for the next world cup you know there's 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 aspects there that that will matter for the long term uh but, but, but you know more more immediately it's it's just about situational experience you know that 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 decision to not bother to replace a batter and and push um uh, the all-rounders, Moeen and Sam Curran up the order, I can completely understand the logic in that. And I think uh, I think uh, Matthew Mott made the point that, you know, England are almost over-preparing on these pitches because the Bangladesh pitches are so spin-friendly that if England even just get their heads around how spin-friendly they are, they are in a better position for, for slightly less spin-friendly p- pitches that they might face in India in the World Cup. So, you know, if, for all that neither Moeen nor... Nor Sam Curran set the world alight with the bat in this series. The fact that they got an opportunity to to bat longer than they might have done, just coming in for tonk the ball for two, two, two or three overs right at the end, um, will almost certainly be of benefit going into the into the end game. But but again, you, I I don't think you, it's a very good point about the Test Test team. You know, the idea, the idea of Basball, the idea of the mindset that England have taken in Test cricket is about the here and now get your get your head down focus on what's in front of you england simply cannot do that in white ball cricket because they're pulled every which way but loose at the moment um uh, you know something has to give and, and frequently it does give and that, that's why their 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 results are so um impossible to to second guess at the moment Uh-oh.
0: Cognitive dissonance is is perhaps the only uh, fair response to the schedule. And I mean, uh, I mean, Matt, um, we've kind of followed this through the winter with Rob Key or, or whoever speaking on the subject. Um, Matthew Mott, Josh Butler. They, I mean, they've been quite frank about um, the difficulties of of managing this schedule. And it is, as you say, um, with with those sort of postponed COVID tours, it is uh, almost unprecedented and. and i mean i think don't think england have ever had six tours over the course of a winter before um as they had on this over uh, the past few months um there, there've been a lot a lot of logistical issues uh you know just getting let's say will jacks from um wellington to um Dhaka for from a test match against new zealand uh, where he was running the drinks to a, a debut an odi debut um in a format he hadn't played in for almost four years, so I mean we've kind of got into all that. Just on the, I mean, on the specific what point that that came up in these three games, um, you know, the decision not to add another batter to the squad. They they basically only had uh sort of uh what five four or five um top order batters, and then it was kind of the all rounders um slotted in, all moving up kind of a couple of places um from that from the T Twenty uh, World Cup winning side. Um, and and Matthew Mott said afterwards, you know, uh, the opportunities they've been given here will give them time to reflect. And when we get into pressure situations in the World Cup, it, I'm confident that it was the right decision. Looking at looking at the actual, you know, returns. Sam Curran scored 22 or 33 balls. Mo and Ali scored 32 or 34 balls. Chris Wokes scored 14 or 14, and Chris Jordan scored 10 off 17. Um, so, well, I don't know what that's pretty small sample size, but you can't. Uh, you, it's hard to say that that's going to be sort of the definitive piece of the jigsaw when those guys get out to uh, india if they're indeed in the squad um in what 6 7 months time
2: yeah it's um it, it's quite a tricky situation and i suppose quite an unusual situation just because of uh, all the things we've spoken about for a while the number of players that um sort of did, didn't want to go on the tour um because of the fact that they it, it didn't make sense for them financially The the fact that almost all of the test squads uh, were rested uh, for for pretty understandable reasons, and the fact that England have used I think thirty five players this winter, which is a lot of players. Um, So to 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 sort of the the point that England sort of seemed to make was that if we'd picked the you know if England picked the next best batter in whether that was Jordan Cox or Sam Hayne or Tom Kohler-Cadmore or whoever it might have been. They would be so far down, um, they're sort of pecking all of their depth charts that they use, that the likelihood of them being involved in the fifty-over World Cup or the following T Twenty World Cup is low enough that they didn't think they were going to learn anything particularly valuable by giving them, you know, a few innings on some pretty tricky pitches in Bangladesh, um, so that they would rather. Expose those all-rounders and and while as you say um, I don't think any of them sort of cover themselves in glory with the bat these were pretty tricky pitches Um, and might at least be you know who knows whether Sam Curran actually learned anything from facing 33 balls across this series but I suppose the point must be that in six to eight months time at a World Cup if uh, you know if Curran is batting in a must-win game in Chennai on a turning pitch um, then at least England have given him every chance they could have to actually have a similar sort of match situation um, rather than sort of, you know, wasting that opportunity in their view by giving it to a county player who who's not going to be involved in the tournament. And I and I pretty much get that. Um, I think it's it's always a bit um, of a tricky one to sort of reconcile. And I think particularly, you know, losing 3-0, it doesn't look great, does it? Because, you know, as, as has sort of been... Uh, this, this was kind of the talking point that emerged through the second and third games of the series, in particular, where Nasser Hussein was going quite hard on Sky and saying, Look, much as um, they make fair points about the depth, this is an international game. Bangladesh care a lot about these results, so should England. And I, I completely take that point of view because, you know, surely there should be some kind of prestige in playing for your country. And I think there still is. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm absolutely sure that 50 odd county batters would have. Snapped, snapped up the chance straight away to to be on that tour, um, but then I don't know. I feel as though England have quite a lot of credit in their bank for the decision making. I mean, much as you know, I I feel it's something that we should just just mention for the record, which is that um, you know they, they they hold both World Cups right now. They the 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 record will show that um, their decision making in white ball cricket over the last eight years or so has has generally been pretty pretty bloody good um so i think it, that, that that's kind of i think the the main thing that you have to trust here and i think if you look at the sort of the key more era so far and you think back to those games in in july against south africa and india where england were nowhere near their best and were um you know had some had some pretty ropey teams being put out and had very little opportunity to train throughout that whole time. The message that that Key was giving was Test cricket's our current priority. Our priority will become T20 cricket when we arrive in Pakistan in September because we don't really care about the results of some bilateral series in July. We care about whether or not we win the World Cup. And England did win the World Cup. And as much as um it does jar a lot to see a sort of england team effectively phoning it in in a couple of series as they have this winter like australia and the bangladesh t20s as well both of those were as low rent as you'll see really from um from an england uh cricket series the 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 record shows that they they have both trophies it's just it's is very difficult to argue with. and i think um yeah it's it, i my i pretty much um defer to the decision makers because I think they've got so much credit in the bank from how they've done um it's hard to be too critical and say you know if if only they'd picked Sam Hayne or Jordan Cox or whoever it is England would have smashed Bangladesh and it would all have been worth it and I think to be fair just just one other point on that um with regards to the sort of the all-rounders not having done pretty very well in the series like you Alan I sort of checked on the Overall stats for the series, and England's second highest run scorer was a guy whose stock has plummeted on this tour, seemingly, which was Phil Salt um, in the T Twenty series. I mean, he was out what five times out of six, I want to say, to left arm spin, and it felt like he sort of really missed his opportunity. And he was England's second highest run scorer and has dominated the Blast and done really well in the hundred and done well in T Twenty leagues over the past few years. So I, I I do think much as much as clearly they were imbalanced, and much as clearly they you know they would probably have been more likely to. Um, win this series if they had an extra batter in the squad, we do need to be careful and uh, sort of avoid thinking that just because of the fact that player X scored four hundred runs in the blast last year and struck at two hundred at Taunton and Hove and all these tiny postage stamp grounds I think it, you know it's it 's not like i don 't think there was anyone who if they 'd been flown in would suddenly have hit twenty ball fifties and turned the series and England would have absolutely smashed bangladesh Like they are still a, a pretty good side when they 're playing at home.
0: You needed to call on uh, one of those uh, BPL specialists. Who I'm um, <laughs> thinking of, Benny Howe, comes to mind. But uh, Darren Stevens back in the day was uh, was out there. Um, he's still available, I'm sure. Um, Miller, just on. I mean, to uh, sort of spin off from uh, that that point about um, England turning it on for World Cups, and, and uh, I mean, you've written about this over the the, the past few weeks as well. It does seem I've not seen this um explicitly stated anywhere, but uh, when um when the the Strauss review uh kind of was was commissioned um which is not that long ago, it's about a year ago, isn't it? After after getting smashed in the Caribbean, there was a lot of talk about being number one in all formats, and that actually seems to have been quite quickly shelved um, uh, to the point that, you know, uh, again, I don't know if this has actually been stated or, or, or written down, but that, that England don't really care so much about the rankings now, it seems, because they're going to, they're going to slide down them if they keep getting beaten 3-0 in, in bilateral uh, series, but they do care about um, the ashes and, and what pots, you know, world cup pots and things like that. Um, so, I, I mean, it does seem that there, there's been a mind shift in, um, Change at the ECB um, in quite a short period of time.
1: I think there has uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, 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 there's no, there's no question that you know, count, count the silverware. It, it, it's, it's why it's really hard to, it's really hard to criticize. It feels, it feels disingenuous to, to quibble. All I'm, all, all my, my wider point is that this, whatever this is, is unsustainable. We cannot rely on. On England just going through the motions and then turning up and and turning it on and saying "ha, ah, hello, we're back." Um, everything that's happened before didn't matter because if it doesn't matter, then why are we playing it? That's 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 the that's the bigger, bigger, bigger existential question that cricket, uh, frankly, needs needs to address urgently. You know, and and on that this 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 win this summer. I mean, obviously, come to come September, you know, getting 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 into the final run into the World Cup we gonna be what was it four four T20s against New Zealand? I mean, is it three or four? I can't, I, I don't even know at the moment. I mean, what? Yeah, why why why? I mean, I know we've got another T20 World Cup coming up in 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 June next year, but but you know everything we know about everything we know about everything that England are doing right now says that they will not turn up, or if they do, they will they will they will they will just throw in throw in a bunch of players in the wrong positions and 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 hope that they get some learnings. And then turn it on, probably to a little bit more extent for the for the ODI's. It's like uh, it's like we can almost we can always auto-complete how England's mindset will will turn up for each of these games. And um and 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 so again begs the question: why bother? Um, you know it, it's you know it's not unique to cricket. I mean we we've seen this in football, haven't we? Gareth Southgate's England were an absolute rabble in between. In between their their major tournaments, and then lo and behold, they turn up and actually they look half decent. Come come the main event, you know, what, when they're getting getting battered four or five nil or whatever it was in the weeks before the tournament, and everyone think, oh, woebegone, we're, we're we're doomed. So like, no, we're not doomed. We just don't care. <laughs> you know, it's easier to it's easier, I think, in football. Um, I guess because of the. The established strength of the club system and and the, the established sort of pinnacles that you get with the with the Euros and the World Cup to be able to say pretty explicitly these these um, friendlies and they do literally call them friendlies in a way that uh, you know I think I think um, Ben Duckett was 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 use the word. Uh, friendly and saying, you know, we we play our test cricket as if they're friendlies, which uh, made me suck my teeth a little bit. Oh, steady, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm all I'm all for, I'm all for taking the right the right liberated mindset and not 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 getting too revved up about the about the intensity of test cricket. I'm all for that, but if you suddenly start thinking, you know, what I I I'm so liberated from the the upshot of my my actions here that I don't really care. Uh, that's the point I, I I start to you know. Second guess the 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 mindset of it. That, that makes any sort of sense, you know. Going back to my point I made last week about Jimmy Anderson of all people being cheerful at losing by one one run. I mean, it's like I I I I don't accept that. You know, Jimmy Anderson, as far as I'm concerned, is my barometer of grumpiness. You know, I, I expect him to be pissed off when he loses. I expect him to be very pleased when he wins. And um, to see it see that 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 dynamic flipped on its head in such extraordinary circumstances as we had in Wellington. Um, again, calls into question everything everything that uh, we we ought to be able to take as read about the international game. So you know, which is just another way of giving the same answer given to pretty much every question in every pod in the last six months. Is like, whoa, it's all up for grabs and nobody knows w- which way it's going to land.
0: It's it's not a tea party, as I think uh, <laughs> Alan Border once said. Um, <laughs> we, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll. I'm sure be um, swirling the uh, the drain on this topic for for some time still. Um, to go to go back to the the uh, specifics of of Bangladesh. I mean, Matt, you t- mentioned Phil Salt there. Um, yes, sort of failing to grab his chance. Um, we learned that um, uh, that Joss Butler's pretty good uh, t20 batsman um rayhan ahmed has got the full set of of uh, youngest uh, men's uh, international caps um i mean there's there's no more white ball cricket a- until august 30th Uh, For England, but there's in fact lots and lots of white ball opportunity. um, Because uh, to to dive back into the 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 calendar, um, there's the IPL starting in a couple of weeks. There's uh, there's the hundred, of course. Um, And you'd think that I mean, uh, you know, for all that um, uh, England's World Cup squad, as we discussed the previous week, looks you know the shape, the outline of it is pretty uh, looks pretty clear at this stage. Um, there's a lot of cricket to play between now and then. Um, and, there, and there will be chances for, I mean, perhaps not Phil Salt to climb back up the ladder, but but for other players to, uh, to enter the equation.
2: Yeah, it will be interesting to track. I think um, the tricky one in terms of sort of England's own domestic cricket is just how good do you have to be in the Blast and the 100 to sort of merit going up the sort of 50 over pecking order. Um, not least because of the fact that we've you know, we we have seen and I think that um those Mirpur ODIs as well, particularly sort of underline just how different the two formats can be, especially on sort of spinning pitches, um and, and conditions are so different um playing T twenty cricket on what tend now to be absolute roads in England for the most part, um, versus um fifty over cricket in India. And sure there might be some flat pitches, but I don't know. It feels it feels strange to suggest that, um, you know, there could be a, a bolter emerging from left field or anything like that uh, based on forming the blast in the 100. Um, so I, to be honest, I think the IPL is the big one. And um, much as I agree that Salt has sort of slid down the pecking order, he's an example of someone who, you know, in the event he gets a bit of game time for Delhi. um, I, I think they're struggling a bit for a keeper because Rishabh Pant's obviously got a serious injury. So there's a chance that Salt could keep wicket for them and get a bit of a chance there. Um, but, you know, if he suddenly peels off a 400-run season, I don't necessarily think he will. But if in the event he did, I think that would actually, um, you know, that would probably completely flip anything that's happened in Bangladesh. And um, take quite a few of those players, to be honest. I think, um, you know, you look at someone like Reese Topley who didn't play at all in Bangladesh. If he has a great run of games for RCB, I think that's going to be a a, a massive, um, you know, a massive tick in, in in the box as far as World Cup selection is concern for him I think it um, you know it will suddenly springboard him again up up the pecking order and um, probably sort of get him close to locking a place in the squad so I think it, it will be an interesting one to track sort of um, how England players go out there because yeah as you say often often it's um it, you know often it's a frustrating couple of months for them they don't get the opportunities they always want but then on the flip side some people can you know put together a run of form across six to eight weeks and um, really propel themselves into contention. But yeah, as as we have said, I think it's quite hard in the fifty over team in particular to sort of um to see how to see which spots are are hugely available um, and how anyone's stock is going to change hugely um unless there's a sort of a clear drop off, you think some of the sort of slightly older guys if if someone like, you know, back to Jason Roy, if Roy has a summer like he did In 2022 and 2023, then um, it might be harder for him to go to India than it would have been otherwise. But um, yeah, I think I think generally, despite the fact that there is, as you say, a ton of white ball cricket left to play, I still think it will be quite difficult to sort of hugely shift. where, you know, selection in terms of where people stand, unless there are sort of really, really marked declines or improvements um, over the next six months. And I think also just in terms of selection, if you think when the World Cup is, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if England picked their uh, provisional 15-man squad, which obviously they can make some changes to, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they picked that actually before the start of the T20 series. Um, against New Zealand or at least in the first week of September because it's usually a month before the start of the World Cup which remarkably we still don't have actual dates for but I would imagine it will start in the you know in the first half of October um, and that would mean having to pick it probably you know realistically are they going to go into that ODI series against New Zealand saying oh yeah you know we're, we're going to leave it up for grabs whether we're going to have player x or player y in the squad based on whether you go and get 50 today or not i can't really see that so i wouldn't be at all surprised if it's actually pretty much locked in by the time that england um get back together again in white ball cricket which is extraordinary really when you think about you know they have a, a specialist white ball head coach specialist white ball captain i think quite a few of the assistant coaches are being took on to 100 teams this summer just you know as much as anything for something to do in august because otherwise you could be employed by the ecb and basically do nothing for six months um so yeah, it'll be a it'll be a very interesting a team to track over the next little while because yeah, it's it must be it must be near enough unprecedented I would say for a team to have played this little white ball cricket in either format in a in a build up to a World Cup. I think um you know, maybe back in the bad old days when England used to play a Nasha series immediately before a World Cup. That's probably the only only time you sort of had similar scenario. They they do have form uh form for that. Of course it won't
0: be any um anyone getting in on royal london cup uh, finances, <laughs> uh, because t- speaking of things uh, uh, series and and uh, competitions that uh, the ecb have um uh, you know failed to give the proper regard um we've i think we've already mentioned the number of players used across uh, formats this winter uh, 35 but uh, pop quiz for for both of you. Fastest finger first. Who who was the the player to play most games? And this is um, not the most Jason Roy because I think uh, Matt knows the answer for that one. But uh, not Jason Roy. In fact, Jason would bend the list. <laughs>
2: I think it's I think I know it. I think it's Mo and Ali because of the fact that as captain he played all of those Pakistan games and then sort of traipsed around as as vice captain as well throughout the rest of the winter. So I think he beats Butler and Rashid and others to it. It is Moeen Ali, yes, twenty-seven uh, appearances.
0: He only missed one white ball game, um, and if you can name that, you'll
2: get a, a, a bonus point. Uh, it must have been one of the ODIs in in Australia. He must have he must have got a, a day off celebrating somewhere. Yeah, that's right. The first ODI after the after the World Cup <laughs> final. Uh, so, so yes, you know,
0: uh, uh, pat on the back, Mohin, uh, and then get back on with it. Adil Rashid played twenty-six times. Uh, David Milan played 25, Harry Brook played 24, as as did Sankaran, and and I think um, uh, as you wrote Matt in your uh, interview with um, Brook, he played the most days of cricket over the winter because he played all those test matches.
2: (laughs) Just a point on that. Actually, I thought it was extraordinary that the top two players in in terms of most days played for England teams over the over the last six months. Neither of them has a central contract because it was Brook and Duckett and Brook is remarkably um, still only on an increment contract. And I, from what I gather, there's no. Scope within the cycle for him to be promoted. I think apparently Yorkshire have made some sort of protestations to the ECB and said, "Look, we've got we've got this guy on our payroll. He's not going to play a single game for us over the year." Any chance you could do something about it? And the ECB have said, "Sorry, no." So, I think um, you know, while while probably in September October time, when those contracts get decided, it was probably fair enough not to give a brick a deal. I think you know, (laughs) with with the benefit of six months of hindsight and four test hundreds and a T Twenty World Cup winners medal and a million. Pound IPL contracts in the bank. It looks slightly mad that he's, um, you know, getting a top up from his Yorkshire salary is all he gets from the ECB. I think, um, I think Yorkshire won't be getting many favours
0: at the moment from the, uh, <laughs> the governing body. Um, we won't go into the reasons for that. Um, England aren't playing next week, um, but there, of course, must be something to fill the gap. Um, the hundred draft takes place on Thursday. Uh, it'll be televised on Sky. Miller uh will you be sitting down with your bingo card ready to fill it all in or or just leaving that to matt
1: i'll leave it to matt to be perfectly frank you know let let, let the kids go go wild with wild with the permutations i, I i'll i'll just sit back and and admire the, admire their handiwork
0: <laughs> um <laughs> Matt, you've you've already covered sort of the, the build up to this uh pretty extensively but i mean there are there are some big names involved there are some uh conspicuous absentees from from the list uh, the the draft uh long list i suppose it is um obviously this uh, as we mentioned is an ashes summer and the hundred starts about uh, 6 minutes after the final uh, ball is bowled um at the oval um but uh, yeah i mean who, who are you sort of uh, looking out for next week uh, i mean the pl- players that, that, that sort of jump out uh, like the, the, the big pakistan contingent uh, as ever uh, babar azam shaheen afri i think mitchell starks in there um, but he's rare amongst the aussies um a, f- a few interesting names on, on the women's list as well more indian players uh, inevitably um although there is a potential for the first um, male Indian uh, participant in the 100, 100 ball cricket in, in Robin Utapa. Uh, but yeah, what, what are you what
2: are you sort of keeping tabs on? Um, well, it'll be interesting to see whether the draft sort of follows a similar pattern to last year where um, what happened was a similar thing. You had a, a decent sway, the big names nominating themselves for the draft and um, most of them ended up going unsold because of concerns over availability and we had a sort of um, an unlikely five uh, domestic players going for 125k which were, are um, you know thinking back to who that was I think it was Liam Dawson Joe Clark Tom Banton Tom Kohler Cadmore and one other I can't think who it would have been um, but you know it's not sort of established international players at all getting top top picks um, which yeah I don't know I think the 100 draft for a couple of years has been extremely weird um, in that it's not been televised it's taken place via Zoom from um, meeting rooms at County HQs and has been sort of drip fed out the day after via press release when most of the stories have already broken so it, it's been something that you know it almost feels like it's been a, a mechanism that the ecb have felt they have to have in order for the teams to se- actually select some players but it's been something that they've they've not been sort of particularly keen to promote so it is interesting that this year they've they've flipped that it's on Sky again next week. Um, it's not in a particularly prime time spot, I don't think. I think it's a four p.m. start or something like that on a weekday, which doesn't necessarily lend itself to um, the full bells and whistles treatment. But um, that said, that yeah, it is it is notable that they flipped it. So I I presume that that is at least in part because they're hoping that a couple of big names might go. Um, looking at sort of yeah availability, which is the watchword in every single draft I think we saw that in the big bash overseas draft last year where you know you had people like Andre Russell and Fafdi Plessia initially going unsigned because um, you know they weren't they weren't around for enough of it and and people um, punting on the cheap Englishmen instead um, yeah availability is the, the the big thing and there's still stuff up in the air because um, you know team team general managers and coaches have been sort of ringing around all their contacts trying to work out exactly whether those Pakistan versus Afghanistan ODIs are going to take place and what the start date might be for this tour and all this sort of thing. Um, and again, you, you find this sort of uh, probably undesirable situation where because of the fact that you know, franchise leagues aren't in the FTP, the FTP is sort of fairly vague for the most part in terms of when stuff might actually happen and what order and all that stuff. Um, it means that that you know it, you you you're left with this choice of do I take a gamble on um, picking a, a an established Australian player let's say Mitchell Stark as the example who is coming out of an Ashes series in all likelihood you know I know he didn't play many of the twenty nineteen many tests in the twenty nineteen series but you'd be surprised if he didn't play at least a, two or three this time um, and he might be playing some ODIs at the end of August do I take a gamble on someone like him or do I actually think. I'll prioritize getting the best English player I can in the draft, whether that's someone like Topley or Willie. Um, and I'll go cheap on the overseas. I'll go with a, a, a you know a big bash stall at like a Ashton Turner or someone like that, and um, it back the fact that he'll actually come over, he'll buy in, and he'll want to play for four weeks. Um, and this sort of gets to the general um, it, the, the the problem that the men's hundred has had throughout, which is that um, you know there's there's this conflict between teams and people who are employed by teams wanting to actually win the competition. And that's what they generally care about. That's where, that's where, where they're going to lose their job if it goes wrong as Gary Kirsten has um, can attest, um, versus, uh, the, the people who are involved in the sort of marketing side of the competition and the promotional side and the commercial side, who would probably love nothing more than a, you know, a, a creaking Robbie Utapa to, to go to one of the teams for, um, top whack and, be involved in every single bit of promotional, um, promotional content that goes out in the subcontinent over the next however long. So it is a it, it's a tricky, a tricky balance to strike. Um, and I don't know whether or not um, they'll manage to this year. It will be really interesting. Um, and yeah, in terms of players to watch, I think there's a few sort of obvious English names who are back in the draft. So Topley, Willy, um, Ben Duckett's available. I, I'd be surprised if Tom Kohler Cabmore doesn't go high again um and then yeah there's there's obviously a a load of county players for whom it's sort of it could make or break their their summer whether they get a a, a contract over the next um week or so and then beyond when when all the swathe of inevitable replacements happen because you know a lot of players some of them it can be you know some some players can double their annual salary with a a big deal in the hundred and um much as it's much as it's sort of you know it's clearly a different thing winning the hundred to winning the blast because you spend you know, 11 months of the year or in some cases slightly fewer than that with a county whereas you sort of club together as a 100 team for a few weeks I think it's still you know there's still a certain um, a certain prestige in, in being picked up in it and it, it's a perfect shop window for a lot of players to to get gigs over the winter which is a, a massive factor as well now for the county cricketer I mean you only have to look at the number of English players in, in T20 leagues um, this winter uh, you know across Big Bash T 20 PSL, SA20, um, you know, you can rattle them off. Um, it, it, it's, it, it, the, the, every every piece of cricket that they play, every game that they play, every ball they face is something that is looked at when recruitment is happening for leagues over the winter. It's a 12-month-a-year game for most county cricketers now rather than a six-month game. So, um, yeah, it, it is, it does act as a shop window as much as anything else. And, um, yeah, it will be, a, it, it's a, it's something that, you know, you can't really it's pretty difficult to get franchise gigs if you're not getting picked up in your own domestic T twenty competition and um yeah, it's uh it, it there'll definitely next Thursday be quite a few county cricketers um watching Sky with a fair few nerves jangling, I'd have thought, as as the names come out of the hat. Yet more shifting sands uh to build the game on
0: um the, the, the women's draft is it, there is a women's draft, that's a, another a change. Um, this time around, again, signs of how uh the developments in uh in the game there. Um, and this uh summer is significant, I suppose, in that uh, regard. There's no England internationals or men's internationals cutting across the tournament, so um, just got to get through a mega doubleheader header men's women's ashes um, with enough enthusiasm to uh, you know want to uh, get involved.
1: Yeah, I mean you know it's it's easy in this day and age when with with the English season sort of sliding towards you know back end of August and. Early September as as kind of the culmination. Um, to forget that actually traditionally, you know, back in back in back in the day, the Ashes would usually have been in this sort of window anyway. I remember, you know, the Ashes first Ashes test would be mid mid June. You'd have you'd have the Lords test be around twenty second of June, I think, from memory. Um, There's all that. There's always seemed to overlap with Ascot and all the other things that were going on around then. And then you know the the Oval Test would be. I think my my first Oval Test was was about the eighth of August. I think my ticket said. So you know that was that was a lot. That was the height of the season. Then you'd have the um, you know the 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 NatWest Trophy um, heading towards September would be would be would be it. And thank you and good night. So it's it's not as weird as it perhaps seems on on the on the face of it to to front load. The summer with the ashes it, it, it this has been done before it can be done again and frankly you know if you remember what the summer was like last year it was absolutely golden weather for for that whole period two two three months right through the middle of the summer with with pitches turning brown rather than green it was uh you know it, it's entirely plausible that uh it could it could be a, it could be a masterstroke to to do it like this certainly having the double header men's and women's you know, logistically, it's a nightmare. We were trying to have our planning meeting last week, trying to work out who goes where and when. It's like, oh my god, there's just absolutely no no let up from a planning perspective, but from a from a perspective of uh, you know go go from what is it the edge into the women's tr- test at Trent Bridge, into the Lord's test men's test at uh, uh, Lords, the second test. So you know there's going to be that th- three week run right at the top of it when you got the men's men's test, women's test, men's test back to back to back. Um, it's it's kind of a I'm kind I'm kind of enthused by that to be perfectly honest. So I think uh, one one thing we have seen most recently with the growth of the women's game and the and and the genuine excitement around the various developments most recently the WPL and the emergence of of star names in their own right. You know the the household names that uh, you can you can rely on as household names in a way that you know you you again you'd have to be a little bit immersed in in sport to recognize uh uh, previous generations, Charlotte Edwards, etc., might people might 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 know who she is from from passing mentions, but would they have necessarily recognised her as as the the grand dame of, of of cricket? Possibly not. In the same way that you know you'd have a Nat Brunt or a Harmon Pre all of a sudden. So you know, it, just just in in that sense, having 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 the game on an equal footing is fantastic. And you know, as I said last week, from the from the FTP perspective, the fact that the women's game is not overloaded with 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 Series that uh, that they don't know what to do with, it does look a lot cleaner. I mean, I, I think those are the words. In fact, the MCC cricket committee came out with the other day. The, the women's FTP looks very clean, very very nice, very malleable, very uh, opportunity for for sympathetic growth into the gaps in in the windows. So, you know, there's there's all all the more reason to believe that the the women's game can actually show the men how to do it to a degree. Just so, you know, if you were to if you were to try to devise a world cricket calendar from scratch, uh, which obviously you can't do for various historical reasons in the men's game, you would you would probably get together and think, right, how do we make sure we have enough gap between the various marquee international tournaments, be be it the Ashes or, or World Cups, and then fit in you know, you, you, the 100 here and the WPL there and the, the Women's Big Bash there and whatever else is elsewhere there. Um, it feels as though that there is a chance to do that in the women's game. So... You know, it's it's an exciting summer for for that. I mean, it's been an exciting summer on the on the hundred front for women for the last two years, as we've all discussed. It's been the, it's been the saving grace of the tournament, as far as I'm concerned. But with that as well as the uh, as the Ashes, it, it, it's um, it, it's encouraging. I mean, the only the only fly in the ointment, obviously, is, is uh, as Matt reported a while back, the, the the withdrawal of of Australian players from the hundred as a consequence of the WPL. Is its existence essentially you know they're, they're they're paid so so damn well by that tournament why why would they bother picking up the crumbs from from the hundred i mean that 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 is the that's the danger that you know the, the 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 big the big beast of the wpl will 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 sit on the on on the schedule in a way that isn't isn't sympathetic to other tournaments and the growth thereof but uh as far as i'm concerned that's a that's a smaller issue than the fact that the the explosion is happening in the first place, it 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 is it is gratifying to see that, that that genuinely it does feel like a level playing field, or as close to a level playing field as as you've ever seen in in men's and women's cricket.
0: Uh, indeed, and we will get with, sim uh, you know, simultaneous men's and women's ashes, a sort of chance to uh, compare and contrast the phony war, um, which is, has already begun um, this week, I think, with uh, Ollie Robinson suggesting that, uh, uh, that the men are going to give the men a hiding. Um, we are Ball versus Ron Ball uh, 2. Um, plenty, of, plenty of time for us to get into all that um once the summer does roll around i mean for now we are we are but a few weeks away from the start of the county championship miller i'm sure you're you're um uh, just just girding your loins to to for a trip to Chumpsford. um matt you're you're buggering
2: off to india so you've got the ipl to look forward to yeah well i'm sure i'm sure um i'm very sad to be missing out <laughs> on the start of the Champo season as as always um i did also just on that point about um Ollie, Ollie Robinson I did think it was an interesting um, decision from him to sort of you know, I think he sort of you know slightly jokingly underplayed England's um, absolute hammering in Australia last time saying yeah we probably weren't at our best and I just thought it was an interesting um, interesting decision from a guy who sort of you know his two the two main memories of um ollie robinson from last from the last uh asher series were firstly being sort of publicly called out by his his own bowling coach and secondly bowling off spin in sunglasses at uh, at adelaide um i I thought it was quite a quite a brave move to to fire the first uh shot of the the phony wall but um you know fair play to him and livens things up doesn't it
0: (laughs) Um, and Miller, um, you're uh, you're you've got your 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 um, warm weather gear, and uh, you've got your binoculars ready for a bit of uh, talent spotting uh, in in April
1: yeah well it's it's fascinating isn't it what what whither Alistair cook whether Ben compton what you know the, that's that's the that's the big the big question the big ex- existential question for for county cricket this summer is uh, you know all of this the but the baseball edict and this famous meeting that St george's park where where Ben Stokes basically issued a rallying cry by all accounts and said right come on, come on lads, show me what you got across the shires but the one thing the one thing I will say one thing I will say is that uh, you know the one the one great abiding strength of county cricket is i mean the diversity is the wrong word to use in the current climate i think but uh the, the diverse opportunities for the different teams to forge forge different identities and i think there is still value in doubling down on what you do best if you are ben compton and you know you're going to grind out a tedious hundred over the course of several days and just kill whatever game comes across, then all power to your elbow, frankly. I I, I think the one thing that's kind of important is that England mustn't lose sight of the fact that their brand new way of playing, their brand new brand new ethos, won't be replicated by every opponent they come up against. There will be different different ways to skin cats. We saw what happened out in India recently with that, that final test. Um, you know, it end up in a bit of a board draw, but you could see that uh, both sides just slowed down. But you know what? The best way to best way to set ourselves up here is to is to grind our opposition. And and a lot of teams, I suspect, will will decide, you know, the best thing to do to England is grind them. We saw what happened in Wellington. England were ground in that 213 over stint in the field and they weren't very happy about it. And so, you know, the learning opportunities that will still exist if you just trust guys... To stick to their strengths, Alistair Cook, you know, if, if this is his last season or whatever, he's not going to change the way he's going to play if, just because there's an edict saying you know we're we're going to go gung ho here on in. Oh bloody really will be his response, and he'll 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 get even more bloody minded probably. So, you know, there will there will be different ways and different means for for players to, if not put themselves into the frame for England selection, then at least give England the the um, situation experience that um, that they will need to. Come up against teams that don't play the way they want them to play, and and we'll we'll look to look to try and disrupt their their flow by uh by 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 getting down and dirty. So um yeah, oh, I'm all for it. I mean it's it, you know it, 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 the daffodils are out, the, the weather's warming up, uh, the the sap is rising. It's I'm I'm, I'm excited. Uh, bring it on. It's it's not long now.
0: The county media days are coming. Um, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we'll soon know what chas Ball looks like uh, when the champo starts up on April 6th. Um, I think that's a wrap for this edition. There's a 10-week gap until England's next international fixture, men's or women's, uh, so we're off to lie in a darkened room for a bit. Hopefully it'll feel a bit more like spring when we return. Until then, my thanks to Miller and Matt and to you all for tuning in. Please feel free to rate us on your preferred pod platform and keep up to date with all the latest news on ESPNCrickInfo.com.